Need a little time to catch up, catch up? This is the Morning Glory Podcast with me, your host, Michael Murata, an extension of Boston's interactive Music First Morning Show, streaming weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. only at Indie617.com and via the free Indie617 app. Boston's alternative streaming radio. It's Morning Glory on Indie 617. Michael Murata hanging out with you on this Thursday, chilling out with Dan McCarthy. It's good to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me back, man. We've uh, had many late-night conversations, uh, seeing each other on the street, mm-hmm. passing by, always talking about cannabis, and it's good to kind of come in and uh, do it officially and update people on just what the hell is going on in the state of cannabis in Massachusetts, because there's a lot of stuff happening. Um, it's been a minute since we did a cannabis segment, and it's impossible to to really recap everything that's happened in the industry, especially as it relates to here. But we are approaching NECAN next month, which is a New England Cannabis Convention. It goes down at the Heinz Convention Center, which is no small room. Mm-hmm. It's not O'Brien's. Mm-hmm. It's not Great Scott. It's a massive, massive space. And Indy 617 posted up there last year. And I think we like we walked around one of the rooms and we were like, okay, I think I got a handle on this. And then we realized that there is another yep. room that is even bigger than the first one that we were in. And it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, it can be. I mean, if you've never been to... You know, if you've never been to a cannabis conference and you're even remotely curious either about the industry, about the products, about the potential for a job change, about general education, about a sense of the culture that surrounds it. The, uh, I, you know, I, I taught for a couple of years uh, at the now now closed uh, um, Northeastern Institute of Cannabis that was out in Natick. And I kind of, you know, did lecturing on media and branding and that kind of stuff for cannabis entrepreneurs that were there. Um, you know, and I used to tell them the same thing about about this very convention. I'm like, if you've never been to one of these, you know, get a ticket. It's not that expensive. I don't mm-hmm. even know what they are this year. But for a general expo pass, walking into any of these conferences um, for the first time, it can be really overwhelming. First of all, especially in a spot like the Heinz, where they take over like these two giant rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's massive. You know, you'll you'll clock a couple miles in, in a day if yeah. you just literally weave in and out of all the different aisles. But one of the bigger you know, reasons is to really get exposure to not only the brands that are out there, the companies that are doing things. And a lot of people are surprised when they come to these and they'll, they might actually see maybe a contracting firm, maybe a law firm, maybe mm-hmm. a tax you know, firm, something that they wouldn't have even thought of if they're not thinking of the industry yeah. in a holistic sense um, that would be you know, aligned with or doing things in cannabis. But then once you look at it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Of I, course, they'd build that. I think I, I, I ran into like a landscaping company yeah. that were, you know, working on with soil and grow houses and kind of, you know, not necessarily the plant itself, not mm-hmm. necessarily, but what you need around it, the sure. house around yeah. it. That is essential to growing. Right. You know, it, you know, think about it. Like if you're growing a plant in the ground and you're a company who makes copper fittings for indoor plumbing, you know, it doesn't matter that you're doing it for a greenhouse that's that's growing cannabis. Right. Like they still need that service. They need that product. But more importantly with the um, with the conventions is the education. I mean, you can buy a ticket, go to these, go to any number of the free panel discussions, these sort of round tables, these breakout sessions. Uh, as you're walking through the crowd, You'll just suddenly go, you know, go by one of the exhibitors' tables, and there might be a robust conversation going on. Yeah. It, it, just by entering these things, you tend to leave with more information than you arrived with, which sure. is always beneficial. But specifically in cannabis, it's it's you know, I, I always say it's always coming back to education. 
you know, get any story of some uh, boomer coming on to cannabis by way of CBD where a decade ago or five years ago or six months ago, they were still completely in sort of a gray prohibitionist mindset, uh, usually brought on by generational indoctrination and stigma. You know, they'll come and sit down and they'll hear stories of these people saying, look, I was uh, I was against weed for years because I grew up in the generation that it was the thing that led to crack and all these other, you know, nonsensical, uh, you know, uh, Reagan era, uh, just say no monikers. Um, but then they sit down and say, until my son came down with bone cracking epilepsy and no pharmacology that worked through the medical system. And I just wound up working with a patient care specialist. They put me on my my son on doses of uh, uh, full extra cannabis, uh, full extract cannabis oil or any kind of cannabis derived product. And then they see some some kind of, you know, win win benefit for the son mm-hmm. or daughter uh, all the way through to people saying, like, I just want to change in career. I know people that are working in corporate jobs, corporate retail retail jobs that are trying to make a shift and they would if they could actually freely even look through the industry and be aligned with the industry or be seen going to something in the industry without some kind of reprisal so going to these conferences exposes you to a lot and it also winds up really kind of pulling the curtain back on the the fun or scary veneer of the cannabis industry depending on how you're looking at it Mm -hmm. and you if in Everything up and down the board. If you're if you're a retiree uh, approaching, you know the end winter of your life, and you walk in and you see former sportscaster Bob Lobel sitting there on his podcast extolling the virtues of how cannabis treatment literally saved his life, got him able to actually pick up his grandkids again, and he's one of the biggest proselytizers for the post boomer crowd. All the way through to seeing some eleven year old sitting on stage saying how cannabis treatment you know, reduced the bone cancer in her jaw and gave her her life back. And then people that are coming in on the financial side saying, well, we got on this and we got the capital we needed through these sources. Here's how me, a small business, got off the ground. All the way through to people that are making, uh, you know, massive changes in the industry through social activism, a focus on social justice, all of the aspects of the industry that need to be paid attention to. Going to one of these conferences, be it NECAN or anything else, but particularly in New England, this is the biggest conference. Coming into these gives you a, a chance to just cannibal in the industry and walk away and see what you think. And you see the hustle too. You know, I met, I met Excelsior Extracts at last year's uh, last year's convention, and those two are just out there doing it. And you know, and they're they're going legit. You know, they had some issues with the law back in the day, and some real significant issues, and they are now coming clean, for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. you know, and doing it legit. And you see the hustle that they're putting into this, and it's like you know, oh, I'm going to a weed convention. No one's high. Well, maybe people are high, but no one's like chilling out on the couch. Like no, there yeah. is like it is an intense weekend with a lot going on, a lot of information. I went around pulling cards, pulling products, um, just different types of samples. Nothing of of, of actual, uh, you know, nothing that would get you stoned. But I mean, I was pulling in different types of rolling papers, different types of other products, um, pipes, different things that I've never even known never even knew existed right. before yeah and, and you know whether whether you know you're going through and meeting a lot of these different companies and hearing their stories of hustle that whole coming from the the black market and into into the into the light that's a common refrain right now there's a lot of people that are doing that for different reasons and in different directions but at the end of the day you know this industry once it settles like you know there's a big war with the black market versus the legal market how mm-hmm. the black market is you know pulling something away from the legal market there's arguments for and against that 
but ultimately the black market still exists because the legal market is still getting settled. Yep. You know, between the differences in price and product quality, depending on where you're sourcing from. Um, there's a lot of people that are in that gray zone. I can say with full confidence, I know of many things that are still in the black to gray market that are close to getting in the light that once they do, you're going to see products that rival the best of the West Coast. I've, I've seen them here in the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember a couple of Freedom Rallies ago, I was bu- I bumped into an old editor of mine at Leafly News, and he's from the Pacific Northwest, and he said, I have been utterly shocked at the quality of some of the products I've seen out here. I just, I had a to- totally different understanding of what was even available yeah, yeah. in the Northeast, let alone Massachusetts. Is that an issue? Yeah. The quality of the of products course, here? Of course. How so? Of, you know, you know, Talk to anybody in the purest side of uh, the products uh, of you know within the industry, whether people are making products or they're you know expert um, experts within those different products, flour, concentrates, edibles, whatever. You know the focus on quality, on craft, typically always is the thing that gets lost when you're scaled up to industrial commercialization. Look what's happening in cannabis. You know a lot of people come down on the on the products available there because they're so centralized with these massive grows. It doesn't mean that massive and large scale operations can't produce great quality products. Not not in the least, but a lot of people. People that are still coming out of the black market will go to a dispensary, maybe grab a fl- you know, grab an order of flour. And if you are well versed in the industry, it's like anything else. You know, if you take a 21 year old that's never had a drink in their life and right. you take them to a bar, right? And they walk in and somebody says, Oh, you're 21, let's get them a four horseman. And it's just a combination tequila, bourbon, all that crap, mm-hmm. right? They take a shot of that, they're knocked on their ass. It tastes like they don't know what the hell they just drank. Right. Get somebody that then over time, if they've tried this product, right, with caution with adult use mentality and eventually you get a you get a palate you understand wine you understand bourbon you understand tequila right. and then eventually you will know the difference between some well swill and some top shelf tequila or something right yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a plant that comes out of the ground. It's no different. There's still uh, uh, hundreds of different compounds that are still being studied on top of THC and CBD and all the different variants within. But it's that combination of the compounds within, the actual terpenes, those bioflavonoids, the things that give the entourage effect its muscle when you're combining THC and CBD and terpenes and food products and how they all come together mindfully. People that understand that at the craft level, whether they're doing it in high-end dosed dinner series or they're doing it in in dosed products. I've got a friend doing great stuff with Cloud Creamery based out of Framingham that's going to be opening up, one of the the first in the uh, region for high-end dosed CBD and THC uh, ice cream, which is fantastic. I actually went with him while working on a story out to L.A. for the Grammys, not this past year, but I think it was the year before, where B-Real from Cypress Hill was throwing a pre-Grammys party um, at an old like Art Deco building in the middle of Central City on the roof, Hollywood Hills in the background. It's be real. It's like Everlast. It's all the Viceland people. We were doing it with Rye Pritchard, the founder of Bong Appetit, putting out food for like rappers like The Game and all these. It's LA. Everybody looked famous, right? <laughs> right. There was a lot of famous people there. But the bottom line was this was this was a social environment with dosed foods done well where people were getting right to where they wanted to be. People weren't losing their minds. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, you know, you were seeing people that were responding positively not to just like, oh, great, there's some weed in this product. It was like, wow, there's a balance here. I can tell that there's something different about the mindfulness that was put into this product. That level of care is going all down the board, whether you're talking about concentrates, yep. whether you're talking about flour and edibles, whether you're talking about just services being offered from the ancillary site. People are actually paying attention to that aspect of the industry, whether or not the the war between the sort of corporate weed, as it's called, and the craft weed will ever be solved. I doubt it, but that's definitely a concern. That's definitely something people should know about, and that's 
one of the things you get when you go to these conferences and you start hearing these conversations. One of the best things I ever heard about the social aspect of this plan and the education that is naturally spreading out when people are in a circle talking about this. Yeah, you can cut through the clutter of traditional stone talk. That's always going to be there. But, you know, look, Steve D'Angelo, right? It, the, so regarded as sort of like the father of the modern cannabis industry, longtime activist, uh, Emer- Chairman Emeritus, I think uh, uh, Arcview Research has Harborside uh, Dispensary in Oakland, California. I read a quote from him once where he said, look, cannabis is social in a different way than alcohol is for this one main reason. If you walk into any town in the world and you walk into a bar and you go into that bar and there's a table of people sitting down having beers and you sit down at that table uninvited or just kind of walk up and pull up a chair and you walk to go to the guy next to you and go grab his mug of beer and say, hey, man, may I have to take a pull of that? <laughs> and you take a sip. People look at you like, what the hell do you think you're doing? You're going to get punched. You walk into a circle of people passing a joint around or passing some kind of product. It's a social thing. People are like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, hit this. Go ahead. Yep. It's a social plant. It's always been inviting any time that I've been a part of it. I want to talk products with you, um, talking about some other tracks that you brought in as well. You brought this track from Bahamas from about uh, six, seven years ago. Yeah, I don't know how that came up on my uh, my Spotify one day. I was at a, I was you know with my girlfriend somewhere, and we were just randomly doing it, and it was you know became one of those things where she liked it and kind of put it into rotation. Then it became an earwig for me, and now it kind of. Yeah, I, I didn't even know where the Bahamas, you know, fell in the alt world, but uh, it just felt like something that was on brand for here. And honestly, I never heard of them before it popped up on Spotify. <laughs> I, I, I'm a I'm a perfect, you know, uh, you know, uh, attestment to how streaming services changed music digestion and music yeah. consumption because I still have all of the things that I've grown up with, and I I probably still have on beat up CDs somewhere, mm-hmm. but my library has expanded in you know. Uh, infinitely because of access to these random things that instead of me knowing a band that I need to go check out, I now associate it with something that popped up and then there's a memory attached with it. Then I just bookmark that song and now it's a part of my life. Now we're playing it on Indie 617. A little bit of surf pop on a late February Thursday in New England. It's always good to me. Caught me thinking. Morning Glory. Dan McCarthy hanging out with me on The Glory. It's happening. Talking cannabis. And we're trying to, you know, we've been hitting on a bunch of different things. We've been talking about kind of the state of cannabis in Massachusetts mm-hmm. in 2020. We've been talking about NECAN next month, which, which is just an overwhelming thing. But really the growth of what is happening in the cannabis industry in New England yep. is phenomenal. And it's one thing for me to be like, it's growing. And it's one thing for, you know, your uncle to finally come around on CBD oil. But now they're starting to become these real hard stats Mm -hmm. that are just mind-boggling. And you've brought a couple, and I've really wanted to to bring these up uh, before we get the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it's always good to go to the numbers, right? And now that the industry's gotten off the ground to whatever extent it has, um, just like after after the West Coast, after Denver, uh, after, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest, after Mm -hmm. these legalization movements happened um, and there was the ability to start collecting data. Now data is being synthesized, right? I mean, Leafly just came out with its jobs report, Leafly News, which is sort of like the sort of resident leader in general cannabis news resource. Um, you know, they you know they reported on the job growth in legal cannabis uh, from 2018 
uh, projected out to 2028, and it's going to raise 250% versus other industries like nurse practitioners that are going to raise up like 28% or anything. And in Massachusetts alone, I think the expected full tally was over $420 million for 2019 in collected um, cannabis dollars sales. But on top of that, in Massachusetts, in that 2020 jobs report by Leafly, uh, you know, they listed Mass now has more legal cannabis workers than hairstylists and cosmetologists. Wow. Um, so... Uh, did I say that right? Cosmetologist? Cosmetologist. Co- yeah, cosmetologist. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and, uh, so we don't even know how to say it because there, are just, there just aren't enough of them anymore. Right, right. And they're getting you know, absolutely dwarfed by uh, the rise in cannabis jobs as they come online. And you know, I, I've always been a big proponent of people getting into this inter- industry if they want. That's why you know, anytime you were watching news of small businesses in Massachusetts trying to you know, do their thing without lots of corporate backing and lawyers and the ability to go, uh, you know, take time out of their day to go to all these, uh, you know, city meetings and all these different requests for information proposals by the state to actually mm-hmm. move their licensing process down the ground, uh, down the, uh, down the field as it were. Um, you know, I want, I, I want to see those people get in. I want to see everybody make their money in this industry. I want this industry to thrive, not yeah. just exist, but to thrive. And it really, it's in, in fits and starts. It is around new England, right? I read, a, um, a stat yesterday, I think, where uh, medical marijuana is now third in revenue for the state of Maine. A third in revenue. Think about that. It's bringing in more revenue, I think, that I read on Twitter somewhere, uh, than blueberries, apples, maple syrup, oysters, and herring combined in Maine. The only thing that is that is a bigger revenue generator in our neighbor to the north is lobster and potatoes. Say that again. Maine is now pulling in so much money from medical cannabis that the only thing that is generating more revenue in the entire state is lobsters and potatoes. That is according a wild. To this recent report. And, and that's it's just wild. in a very short amount of time. Yeah. You know, there's a real telescoping time frame to, if you look at the, the, the length going all the way back to prohibition um, or, the, or the dawn of um, the Marijuana Tax Act in 37 or the start of the war on drugs in 1970 and everything in between. When you start looking at the time it's taken for these big movements to start to create different kinds of radical change within drug policy reform, but specifically within the legalization, the commercialization of cannabis uh, regionally and nationally or around the world for that matter, you know, you're seeing shortened timeframes. They're not as short as everybody would like to be, of course, but things are happening faster. And that's why going to a convention or starting to read different news outlets that have reliable information or just understanding where to go and having that media literacy to start combing through and understanding the difference from a solid resource for news on on, on cannabis or cannabis data and what's happening in the industry versus some random website that looks like it's a health website saying CBD is going to you know cure your aunt Mabel's cough. Right, right. Like there's everything in between. Where can people go? There's a bunch. I mean, you know, if you're looking for sort of um, national, uh, you know, you know, uh, business and stats and data, one of the industry stalwarts is Marijuana Business Daily. If you're looking at the local level here in Massachusetts, you know, Talking Joints Memo you can sign up for uh, is put out by Dig Boston and uh, the Boston Institute for Nonprofit Journalism. They have a weekly newsletter that basically it's a one-stop shop. You sign up for that, you get a blast of all the local relevant news, some of the industry stuff, all of the neighborly nuggets around the municipalities here, and then covering New England at large. Um, you know, there's other stuff if you're looking at more of the retail front and you want a holistic approach to thought leadership and news and that kind of stuff. MJ, MG Retailer uh, is a fantastic one if you're somebody that's opening a storefront or, you know, an actual dispensary. 
So, you know, there's a, it just depends on what you're looking for. You can curate a great Twitter list if you know the Twitter list, if you know the people you're looking for and the kind of information you're trying to source. Hanging out with Dan McCarthy talking about cannabis. It's Morning Glory in D617. Dan McCarthy bringing the heat in his appearance this morning. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that Midnight Moan track as we wrap things up. That uh, that Midnight Moan track, uh, shout out to my boy uh, Andrew Bradbury, if he's out there listening at all. Um, uh, it was a, a buddy of mine I used to work with when I used to be the editor of uh, Urban Daddy Boston, which was this uh, free daily email newsletter about you know food, nightlife, beer, experiences, that sort of thing I ran for a few years. Uh, when I moved up from Manhattan and he broke off from that gig and he, he started this band or joined this band Midnight Moan and I've just been kind of following his stuff since and they're great. It's a cool song. Yeah, it's a great album. Check them out. So you brought a bunch of songs to the table, a ton of information as well. We've been talking cannabis for the last hour or so. Uh, cannabis brand consultant Dan McCarthy, what are you off to now? What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to go head off and uh, finish some uh, reportorial work and uh, I got a couple of uh, book projects I'm trying to pitch out there. Uh, I'm finishing up some work with uh, the group Canapreneur Partners uh, that uh, up until recently I'd kind of helped the brand launch, joined the team uh, from the get-go to help them with their brand and their content, get them out there. Um, and they're at CanapreneurPartners.com if anybody's looking to either uh, invest in cannabis or if you're an operator looking to source investment. This is a group that got off the ground that's uh, trying to do both. Um, so check them out. But that's it. I'm going to head off for the rest of this uh, rainy Thursday, run a few errands, and uh, hustle for hustle for the next gig. Like right everybody. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. This is great, man. Props on everything Indy 617 is doing for keeping uh, keeping the music and the spirit alive. Trying to, trying to make it happen, and uh, we're going to be out in the streets pretty much all day today. I am packing up here. I'm going to be down in South Boston at the Lincoln from noon to 2, giving away lift tickets for our March 8th, I believe, event at Cranmore Mountain for drafters. Tonight, I'm going to be at McGree on Boylston Street from about 7 to 9, giving out lift tickets for this Saturday at Neshoba Valley. If you're out of the city, we're going to be up at the Gateway Pub up in Lawrence, giving away lift tickets for Neshoba Valley this weekend. And I think we're going to be at The Point, hanging out with Amstel Light as well. A lot going on. So maybe I'll see you at the Lincoln. Maybe I'll see you at McGreevy's. If I don't, I will see you tomorrow for a new Music Friday edition of Morning Glory. New albums out tomorrow from, uh, we've talked about this earlier, uh, Tycho has an album, Caribou has an album, Real Estate has an album, Soccer Mommy has a new album, a lot of stuff to get to, the finale of the Song of the Week poll, which I'm kicking everyone's ass in as well. So it should be a fun uh, Friday afternoon on Morning Glory. Julie Kramer's in next. I'll talk to you guys later. I'm closing the show with a track from Ween. This is Dan's final request. This is Roses Are Free. It's Morning and glory later you've been listening to the morning glory podcast stream morning glory with michael Murata weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m only on indie 617